Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. There is so much we don't know. So much we don't know. For example, an unusual species of human apparently lived on the island of Luzon in the Philippines as recently as 50,000 years ago. Based on teeth and bones found there, scientists suspect that these early humans probably stood less than four feet tall and had several ape-like features. Yet, the researchers say, the bones are distinctly human from a previous undiscovered species. First clue was discovered back in 2007, a bone that surfaced in that year after an archaeologist's archaeological dig in a cave on the island of Luzon and found a toe bone. He says it didn't look like a modern human bone. There's something peculiar with this bone, he recalls thinking. But anyway, this discovery of a new species, and by the way, welcome to the Joy Clark Radio Hour, Seth Spotlow. Hey, man. The discovery of this new species, think about four-foot-tall people, not children's, like four-foot-tall, fully-grown people. But this discovery of an ancient human species is a career-maker in anthropology, or career-breaker, if you're wrong. So the team spent another eight years studying the bones and teeth. Make sure it's not a bird. They now conclude that the skeletal fragments are from three individuals who lived sometime between 50,000 and 67,000 years ago. Writing this week in the journal Nature, the scientists call them Homo Homo Luzonisis. Damn Latin names. (laughs) After the island. Yeah, the island of Luzon. So Luzonensis. I know, I didn't. I I went to 12 years of Catholic school and I still still can't speak Latin. Me too, man. Uh, Okay, so years ago I remember seeing something about uh, a short, like a village of really tiny people in South America. Hmm. Like the whole village right. is everybody's real short. That's what make, it makes me think of. Now, another question is, were these creatures they've discovered related to hobbits? No, not the Tolkien Lord of the Rings hobbits or the or the Hobbit. No, Hobbit is widely a widely used nickname for another tiny primitive human species that lived on the Indonesian island from about 100,000 years ago until 50,000 years ago. They have another fancy Latin name for it. I'm not even going to try to pronounce. They were discovered 15 years ago. They, too, had a surprising mix of primitive and human-like bones and teeth. So, essentially, this gets me back to my point. There's so much we don't know. It, like, we know more than probably ever before. But the more we know, the more we figure out, man, we don't know Jack. Uh-huh. Jack. It's like the ocean. 
Well, and the other big news, on well, the oceans, I think, unexplored territory, yeah. greatly unexplored. There's something powerful about it um, and ominous about it, but yeah. also a lot of opportunity uh, if I think we keep searching. There's, again, so much we don't know, but another big news piece today, and everybody's talking about it from making jokes. I made a few jokes, but um, Jay Scott, oh, who I works here. That. And I want to share that with the audience. What was put out today was the image of a black hole. First ever, not a computer rendering like we've seen before on plenty of a science program, uh, but the actual black hole. But there's a human story behind it. You can make all sorts of jokes. People are like, oh, it looks like a glazed donut. It looks like a cat is ignoring us in a very obvious manner. <laughs> Turning his I haven't back. looked at it. It's not that glorious to behold. I mean, I could show it to you real quick. But, I mean, it just looks like a, you see the event horizon or something like that. It just looks like an orange circle. Oh, really that's... does look like a glazed donut. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. So, but there's a human story behind this. And uh, our good friend Jay Scott shared that. So I'd like to share that with the audience. Uh, I'll quote Jay. Black hole this, black hole that. I'm not diminishing it. I'm a space nerd, writes Jay Scott. It's been on my mind all day. And I've read countless analysis of what it shows and what we're seeing, what it means and why. But this is the short story of how. <clears throat> he shares a picture. Below is a picture of a 29-year-old Katie Bowman. Or Bowman. She first learned of what was trying to be done with this whole event horizon thing back when she was in high school in West Lafayette, Indiana in 2007. Hey, that's the year I graduated from high school. Apparently, that was all it took for Katie. She then continued to pursue it at the University of Michigan. Currently, Dr. Bowman is a postdoctoral at MIT, as well as being an assistant professor at Caltech. She developed the algorithm that turned all that data from all those telescopes focused on this one spot into the image we all saw today. Congratulations, Katie, writes Jay Scott, and thank you so much for what you did and what the team you lead of over 200 other individuals did with your work to show this to us today. You know, it's something that I'm sure is a big burden for a lot of scientists because you see the image of the black hole, and if you don't know anything about it, you're like, well, what the hell is that? You make jokes, whatever. It can be anticlimactic in a way because they've been teasing this image for a week or so now but the photo jay shared is this young woman a year younger than me uh, just giddy like she's achieved something um and so that must be troubling for a scientist who like puts all this work in and knows how difficult it was to come up with an actual image like this to know that a lot of people in the general public either don't care or they just don't have the time to care. They're going to look at it for 10 seconds and it took her, what is it, 15 years? Right. And, I mean, it's like a taking a big bag of rice right. and checking out every piece. But there's so much going on in this world. There's so much we don't know, once yeah. again. Whether it's the mysteries of the universe or the depths of the ocean or our own human history and the many species that seem to be similar to us living today. But then other things we don't know are all the different human stories going on around us at every point in the day. I mean, it's not a healthy way to always think like this, 
But if you could try to imagine all the things going through all the people, just say in the river region, just here in Montgomery, Alabama, what they're thinking, what they're going through, the emotions they're experiencing, the story of each individual person's life. Some of them are having a really rough time. Maybe it's a tragedy that struck them and it was beyond their control. Maybe it's self-inflicted tragedy. Maybe you're doing well. You haven't, you know, climbed a mountain or traversed Antarctica anytime soon, but you're doing well. And maybe you helped that person quietly and you knew in your life, but you didn't tell anybody about it. Or maybe you are actually doing the math, creating an algorithm that shows for the first time an actual image of a black hole. It baffles me. It's remarkable to me how much is going on around us, both good and bad, but I think the good is worth it. And it brings me to my point tonight that I don't know much, but I know I love you. No. <laughs> no, I, there's a lot I don't know. There's a lot we just in general don't know. But I know one thing, Seth, Mr. Spotlight. What is that? I am biased. Oh. I'm very biased. About what? All sorts of things. Like mainly what? Well, I think Prince is better than Nine Inch Nails. What? Yeah. Oh, did and you see that picture of Trent and his uh, Prince's old girlfriend? Yeah. Uh-huh. You're welcome. Right. Okay. <laughs> and you're probably biased in thinking Nine Inch Nails yeah, is better than Prince. Of course. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not a vegetarian. I am biased in favor of oh, yeah. red meat. Oh, yeah. Burn it. And I'm a bit callous, too. Like, I don't love the images from factory farming, but it doesn't have the same emotional impact on me as it does on others. Yeah. I'm biased in the sense that I would prefer to watch, you know, a wrestling show. Than The than, Simpsons. Than The Simpsons or even a lot of mainstream sports. Yeah. The further away I get from having played football in high school, the less interested I am in watching like every game on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch Auburn games. I'll watch really good SEC games. I'll watch even the national championship, whether SEC or Auburn or not. A good one. But I would rather, you know, watch a wrestling match or an interesting academic lecture on Carl Jung or something about, you know, the politics, the geopolitics of the Middle East. It's just how I am. I'm biased. I have my interests. You know what you like. I'm also biased, politically speaking, in favor of liberty. Mm -hmm. I think the best government is that which governs least. I think the best government is that is which leaves people alone. Not only because when governments become too powerful, they can become too overbearing and too tyrannical and arbitrary. And essentially, well, all that means is that a certain group of people who call themselves the government get to have certain incredible special privileges other, over other people. And I don't like it. I don't like it one bit, even when it's well-intentioned. I don't like moral busybodies. You know, I could even accept an evil, overbearing father figure or devouring mother figure that's just tyrannical. But I don't... And I wouldn't necessarily accept them like what they're doing is right. But I can understand an evil person who's out for their own good, as opposed to the type of person, the moral busybody. It's a famous C.S. Lewis quote. That the worst tyrants are the ones that do things to you and say to you as they're doing it, I'm doing this for your own good. Not because I enjoy it, but because you need this and you're too stupid. So I'm biased. And that's why I don't want to know everybody's thoughts. 
Right. Oh, no. <laughs> I, you barely even know your own thoughts. Yeah, exactly. and I'm not, it's not a shot at you. I yeah. barely even know my own well, thoughts. Well, I know if you knew everybody's. And yeah. that, I mean, there's a lot of idiots. It'd be too much to take. <laughs> it would be way too much to take. But it's an interesting critique you hear in politics of when you hear something you don't like, well, that person's just biased. And it may or may not be true. But it doesn't really go that far, in my opinion. Yes, there are clear propagandists out there. And fair enough. Then there are people that are just openly, this is what I like. I'm going to tell you what I like. I might be wrong, but... Eh. Yeah. But to use that as... It's funny how politics takes everything. Like, when you're playing the political game, I don't mean, like, the person who is genuinely heartfelt about, I think these policies would be best for the nation. Like, I listened to a fantastic interview this morning. It came out this Sunday between Ben Shapiro, he was the person conducting the interview, with Andrew Yang. He is running as a Democrat, though he doesn't seem like a Democrat, but he is, for the presidential chair. He wants to be the Democrats' nominee in 2020. And though I disagree with Yang on some stuff, the more I listen to him, like, this is an incredibly reasonable, charming, likable guy. Who's done great things with his life. He's running on the universal basic income, which is kind of an opt-in provision. Once you, you get $1,000 a month, no strings attached. Yeah. But if you accept it, you don't, you, when you opt in, uh-huh. no, more, no welfare. Oh, okay. No welfare benefit. Oh, okay. And it's an interesting proposal. He's worried about uh, automation. For instance, millions. One of the biggest employers for people in the United States is... The trucking industry. Mm-hmm. You drive a big rig. Yeah. Tough work. You drive mm-hmm. like 14 hours straight. And I mean, the guys that fix them. Oh, the guys, all the spinoff jobs that yeah. come from that to maintain that industry. Imagine if you can now automate trucking oh. and now millions of people don't have a job. That's what he's worried about. And, you know, I was getting at it last night talking about how I see this movement on the left and the right, whether it's Andrew Yang running to be the Democrats nominee in 2020 or somebody like. Tucker Carlson on Fox News. These new populist movements worried about how technology is changing our world and leaving sort of the average working man and woman in America without jobs. That's leaving them displaced and insecure in their lives. And, you know, I'm all for all sorts of conversations about how to solve those problems. What I don't like is the come hell or come high water, the lust for power to where almost everything in politics can be used to gain power. So I like people that are having honest conversations about policy. We need those conversations. For instance, on healthcare, incredibly complicated issue. Like, why is the healthcare system the way it is? It would take hours and hours, if not days and months, to really research why we have the system we have. Now, I'm not talking about the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare and being implemented. I'm saying going back, you know, to the early 1900s, let's say. Go, okay, how do we go from like 1919 to 2019? The last 100 years, what happened in healthcare to bring us to where we are today? Very complicated question. And so it would be nice when you have, say, a huge national platform, Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, to maybe have reasonable inform people who maybe have their own bias, but different perspectives, 
who discuss these things in good faith. But no, because I can already hear people in their cars going, how boring would that be? People being honest and charitable with one another, actually trying to come to some understanding and common conclusion. No, we can't have that. We got to win. Can't educate people. Yeah, we got to win. Yeah. No educating. Yeah. Just winning. Exactly. Winning until we get tired of winning. And then we just keep winning. Well, for instance, another thing that drives me nuts about politics, and I'm biased because I just, I like torturing the language when I can, but for fun, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. just being stupid. But when you're torturing the language and using it as a way to gain political points, you kind of reside in the land of euphemism and rumor and innuendo. That's honestly what's been driving me nuts for not only the past two years with the Trump-Russia collusion narrative, but, I mean, going back years, there's always... It's almost not enough. It's not interesting enough for people to talk about the intricacies of healthcare. And fair enough. Maybe that's not what gets you riled up and turns you on. So people have to create these conspiracies. And here's the thing. Sometimes conspiracies are true. So, which just adds to the, how intriguing it is to talk about conspiracies. So, I, you know, I'm not naive in the sense that stuff does happen. It goes back to if you could imagine all the things going through all the people's minds. Like, who actually did conspire? Is history as we know it actually true? I mean, this is great. That's part of what's touched on in Game of Thrones. The big theme of a lot of Game of Thrones is it doesn't matter who the king is. It doesn't matter who the lord is. Anybody could be the bad guy. No, but the people who are actually changing human and world events in Game of Thrones are the people behind the scenes who don't get the Mm -hmm. glory and the praise. They're the movers and the shakers behind the scenes. You just throw a little word in here. The deep state agent, you know. Mm -hmm. Plant the seeds. Right, right. Plant the seeds. So I I wonder sometimes, though, are we too stuck on the shiny object or the intrigue and the rumor and innuendo of conspiracies going on? And don't get me wrong, I said it last night. Good friend Baron Coleman, who's on these airwaves. He's become a good friend. I like Baron a lot. We have our slight disagreements on stuff. But uh, when he talks about the globalist corporatist whores, I tend to agree with him generally. However, I wish, and I hope he's listening now. If not, I'll bring it up with him tomorrow when I see him. Well, I brought it up with him this morning, but we'll just keep hammering this point home. Because, yes, folks, there are a lot of globalist, corporatist whores. But where there's a whore... There's a pimp. Yes, sir. (laughs) Now, there are some self-employed globalist, corporatist whores. They're just in it for themselves, and I'll, I'll give that to them. But there is a pimp. There's a pimp out there, a globalist, corporatist pimp. And it's called the state. It's called the government. How do these people get what they want? Well, they use political power. And what is political power? Well, taking things from people by force. Whether it's literally at the point of the gun or through the force of law, which is just a threat to take it from you by force at the point of a gun. So, (laughs) so, I've been thinking about the pimp the state. Even though there has been, uh, I think, a sea change in the way people on the right are thinking about what it means to be on the right and what it means to advocate for people in this country for their best interest, for the national interest. 
I worry that all this populism is a little bit of a delusion. And all that's really happening is that the whores, the globalist corpus whores, and the big daddy pimp government is, uh, is letting us have our games. But at the end of the day, that little smack is going to come out. That honeypot is going to trip somebody else up who's trying to really make the system better. Let me give you a for instance. Earlier today at a committee hearing, Rand Paul, Senator, asked Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and they're talking about uh, Iran. Recently, Pompeo and the State Department under the Trump administration declared Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps a terrorist group. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with that designation because of what the Revolutionary Guard has done all around the world. It's not really that that I have an issue with. It allows the U.S. government to do, you know, seize their assets, freeze assets, sanction other people that deal with the Revolutionary Guard. Fine. You want to play hardball that way? Fine. But Rand Paul asked Mike Pompeo a very important question because we've seen these this story before. We've seen this show before. Okay, you just declared that group, the Revolutionary Guard, a terrorist group. Do you consider the 2001 AUMF authorization to use military force that we passed in 2001 after 9-11? Do you think that gives you the authorization, the authority to make war against Iran? The answer should be a clear no. Mike Pompeo, I believe, said... I'll let the lawyers sort that out. (laughs) You know, folks, if you think Iraq was a difficult situation, going to war with Iran's even more difficult. It just is. For all sorts of reasons. But Rand Paul made it clear it's not something for the lawyers to sort out. This... You don't have authorization. The Constitution clearly says it's up to Congress to declare and authorize the use of force. Again, into the land of euphemism. No. It's not the use of force. It's war. War. Congress has the authority to declare war. And yet there has been a trend because of the big daddy pimp and the pimps globalist corporate whores that now apparently the executive branch and the president himself can just you know make war against anybody on earth for American interest or really for the globalist corporatist interest. So for instance, Barack Obama, he ran on oh these wars of choice like Iraq. We don't need that. But then he, you know, without declaration of war from Congress or any discreet authorization of force from Congress creates a no-fly zone in Libya, and all of a sudden, all these advanced arms start showing up in Libya as well, and they topple a dictator, Muammar Gaddafi. Where, where was that authorized? It wasn't. But we just do it anyway. Well, to be clear, I think if there's an imminent attack, say, like, China or Russia is about to, like, bomb the West Coast... I think the president has the authority to, without going to Congress, to go and stop that. Obviously. Imminent attack. But when you're talking about Iran, you need to declare war. And that needs to be done by Congress. But this is an example of 
the true, ultimate establishment, globalist, corporatism is a word I like, is still entrenched. And it dresses itself up in fancy terms of national security and the American interest, blah, 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 blah. But if we're going to get back to our basic sense of liberty and of a republic that is humble in its representation of the people, then we don't need Mike Pompeo, who I respect as a brilliant man, getting cutesy and saying, well, that's something for the lawyers to decide. It's absolute insanity. That sounds like something you say when you don't know the answer. Hmm. No, it sounds like something you say, you know. He knows the answer. Yeah. He would want. He would say, yeah, we can attack Iran when we want. Why'd you just say that? Because yeah. they, you can't, you got to hide under euphemisms, man. Uh-huh. And no, it's like uh, the Democrats today. They're so upset now at the Attorney General William Barr. For years, William Barr was considered a lawyer's lawyer. He was considered, uh, well, you might not like what he says sometimes, but he's an even-handed career professional guy who loves the institution of the Department of Justice. Well, earlier today, he uh, was asked by Gene Shaheen, what the hell kind of name is that? Is that his name for real? That's her name. That a, oh, her? Senator, yes. Is she a wrestler? <laughs> she does. No, that's, let me tell you something, mean Gene. Let me tell you something, Senator Shaheen. Shaheen asked Attorney General Barr, was, you're not saying they were spying on the Trump campaign, and he kind of hesitated for a second. Yes, there was. And the Democrats flipped their crap. Oh. They went, no, they crapped the bed over it. Like, I mean, who wants that? And what they were actually upset over is that spying suggests that, you know, they were actually spying. It was, we know about the FISA court authorizations. That was legal surveillance, not spying. I'm sorry, legal surveillance is spying. It's just legal spying, but by another name. Fancy words. <laughs> Good Lord. Somebody went to a uh, thesaurus. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going, and now they're saying of this man who's a career institutionalist who respects the Department of Justice, he's a lawyer's lawyer, even-handed, he's, a, again, a career man, greatly respected for decades in D.C. Now that he's come out and said this, well, he's obviously, he's not the Attorney General for the United States, he's the Attorney General for Trump. Good Lord. And this is a tactic. He's biased. Well, yes, and so are you, Nancy Pelosi, and so am I, and so is Seth. We all have our bias. And on the other side of the break, I want to get more into my bias. Because I think I've come to a realization about a particular type of bias. Where is my political home? I am a libertarian, and I think I'll always be one. But. But. There's always the but. The big, hairy butt lurking around the corner. Are we fixing to wax it? Oh, we're going to wax it. Wax it poetic, baby. But before we do that, we got to hit this break and tell folks, and I'm behooved, but also happy to do it. Tell folks about sponsor for this show, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. If you're looking to buy or sell a home here in the River Region, Eddie Bader's your man. Changed his own life and has changed the life of others by investing in real estate, by learning the trade. After investing a lot of rental properties, and making his own situation, his own life better, he realized, why not become a real estate agent? So he went to Bo Goodson's School of Real Estate, 
Cayman agent, and he's now helping people all around the river region to buy or sell their home. Don't be too shy if you're a potential first-time home buyer. He can really open your eyes to all the options out there. Maybe you are set up nicely looking to retire and always dreamed of living on the lake. Eddie can give you a pontoon boat tour for that. Or if you're looking to sell your place, maybe the family's growing, you need a new place. Maybe you're moving. I don't know what your situation is, but Eddie can help you out and help you sell that place with ease. Successful open house, knowing what sort of renovations or repairs, repairs need to be done before putting it on the market so you can get top dollar. So give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. His number, 322-0662. Again, that number? 322-0662. When we come back, we're going to talk about my bias in my political home. Joey Clark. Clark. Well, welcome back, folks. Again, the new human species was discovered in the Philippines from around 50,000 years ago. We have an image for the first time in human history of a black hole in outer space. Not other black holes. That's amazing. You know what I saw last night that I haven't seen or that probably never happens? 40 people in a room watching a screen that didn't have a TV on it. It wasn't, it wasn't a TV. We just sat there and listened to a whole album. It was great. Yeah, you did a... It was a quadraphonic presentation, yeah. right, of a Nine Inch Nails album. Yeah, man. It was... We just sat there and listened, and everybody just sat there. And yeah, and you asked me earlier what quadraphonic means. I'm not... I don't know the technical details, but I know it's a particular type of mixing. Mm. So you get, like, the four-corner sound. Yeah, yeah, man. It and it's... Nuts. So the music itself is mixed down to where it would work. It's like an early form of surround sound. Cool. It, and it sounds fantastic. I like it. I prefer quadraphonic for music. It was cool, man. As opposed to, the, you know, the 5.1 or 6.1 for, like, a movie. And it was 5.1. Oh, it was 5.1. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was five point one, and um, it was just cool to have a bunch of people that want to do the same thing sit in a room and just listen. Yeah, no, I love intensive listening. Yeah, like, it was really listen. You don't just listen, listen, listen. Right, because it was recorded in the Tate House, and you can hear some creepy stuff in the background. Ooh, ooh. Well, here, okay, continue. I'm I have a question for you because it's another part of uh, I don't know much, but I am biased. I know that. And sometimes I'm not completely aware of, like, where my bias, like, you know, situates me in terms of other people. But I heard this the other day, and it's kind of a shorthand. Are people on the left or the right? Now, I think that's like a, the X-axis. There's an X-Y-axis. Mm-hmm. And on the X-axis is left or right. But then on the y-axis is authoritarian to libertarian. I'm definitely in the libertarian camp. And how you get there, how you uphold the ideas of liberty, I think there are different ways to approach it. I'm starting to think more and more that it's not necessarily the particular system. Some systems are better than others, but you can have liberty in all sorts of different types of systems. But then the question of left or right, I've always had trouble with. Because I don't feel like I'm at home. When I think about 
my religious faith or whatnot. Sometimes I've thought I'm on the left, but not really, because I do believe in the power and the tradition and the respect to so many traditions and religious faiths, including the one I was raised in, Roman Catholicism. So I, I don't know where I fit there. And there's all sorts of other things. You could go issue by issue. Are you on the right or the left? But I was trying to find more of a... Maybe temperamentally, I'm more on the left. I'm more open. I like talking to people that are different than me. I like trying to find synthesis. I don't like conflict that's meaningless conflict. I like conflict that gets resolved into some understanding or some greater truth or whatever. But it hurt a simple question. I asked Greg this earlier today, but I'll ask you and see how you respond. We'll do a little experiment on you, Uh-oh. my guinea pig. I haven't heard it. Are some people better than others? <laughs> uh, no, not in the beginning. Hmm. That would put you more on the left. What? Yeah. Because um, I would answer yes. No, but you said an interesting thing. No, not in the beginning. Not in the beginning. Choices. Everybody's got choices. And I would say that, yes, people, for lack of better language, people are made in the image and likeness of God. People have, that's the only egalitarianism I allow myself, in the sense that we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. But we're all kind of born into a, a difficult, almost losing struggle. But so we have, some of us, though, are born in more privileged circumstances than others. But we've all had those friends that you just know something's wrong with him. Right. Yes. And you also, I'm sure you've seen people where you're like, that guy's just better than I am on some... Th- oh, yeah. Like, that person's smarter than me, or that person has more talent than me in a given field, or whatever. You're just like, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and no, I really have, at certain points, been like, all right, that person's morally better than I am. <laughs> they really have their stuff together, and I don't, and I'm still I, figuring it out. I told my friend that. I told King, the ball guy who was at my party. Yeah. He, uh, I told him, I said, yeah, man, you're like two steps better than me in more morality. <laughs> well, King's a lot better than a lot of guys for a lot of, re- well, one reason in particular. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I asked that question because I heard it put that when he asked somebody that question, are some people better than others? People on the right will tend to say yes. <laughs> people on the left will tend to give you a speech or struggle with it or clarify and all this stuff and finally get to, well, I guess so. Hmm. I think it's an obvious fact that some people, that we are very different. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Now, our certain classes of people better? No. I think that goes way, way too better. far. They're just different. They're different, but I think there's so much variation even within a group. Like, the idea that we're going to sit here and say, the black community in Montgomery thinks this. Like, th- wait, there are, there are thousands of black people living in Montgomery, Alabama. They don't all, obviously... They don't have a common mind to stuff. They might have similar experiences to one another, more or less, given, uh, depending on the given individual. But there's no, like, homogeneous groupthink going on. It's not all white people think the same. Like, if you do racial lines, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. For the most part, everybody's different. 
Right. Uh, all men think this way. All women think nah. this way. Nah. Not, no, not Can't really. Because you don't know them. Right. Like, and we've actually dealt with this. That's where, I mean, you look at a lot of history, and the, even the history of this country, but it's, I'm not picking on America because I think the idea that, and the ideals of America are fantastic, and we've been working towards things. But you just look at human history. There's been a common theme of like a caste system. Not just classes, like caste. Like, those are the noblemen, and they're better than us. And then occasionally you'll get, like, the peasant class, a clever peasant that's like, oh, they're better because they took things and they declared themselves better. Sometimes you'll get, you know, like, all sorts of ruling classes and castes that it's not just, oh, the ruler's on top, but then there's, like, a totem pole to it. There's a ladder. Yeah, and like there's the bottom, the, the bottom worst wrong. of the worst, and then you step your way up. Oh, I'm a little better, I'm a little better, I'm a little mm-hmm. better. And I don't like that way of thinking. That's not how I think about it. I think of I'm clearly biased and on the right because I do think there are just people in given ways who are more intelligent or more compassionate because of so many differences out there. Certain people are better than other people. Mm-hmm. Especially if you start getting into, okay, I watch Forged in Fire on the History Channel, yeah. and they do you know blacksmithing. It's so much fun to watch. I could, I maybe if I really worked at it, I could do that. But do you know? But what? right now, those people are better than me yeah. on that particular thing. You're better than them at some stuff, right? Well, I remember final official football game I ever played in high school. It was in the playoffs, Catholic. I had not made the playoffs and I had to be over 15 years, if not more. And our first round, we get Geneva. And I remember lining up and actually knowing how to read the play. I kind of knew what was coming. This guy's going to run a deep out route. I'm playing cornerback. He's playing wide receiver. And having studied film, and this is where we got our advantage, we weren't always the biggest or the fastest, but we were pretty smart. And knew, and we had good coaches that knew how to, you know, point us in the right direction. So I kind of knew this guy's running a deep out route. This dude was so quick, and the quarterback was so damn good. I, there was not much I could do about it. And in moments like that, it humbles you. You go, okay, he's better than me. They are better than us. And we're going to keep fighting. We're not going to give up. But you can kind of see the writing on the wall. (laughs) See what's going to happen. Right. But sometimes it doesn't. I mean, and that's where I think competition in sports is so clear to people. You know, if it's a really close game, you might say Auburn. Auburn might as well be the basketball national champs. But, you know, they lost. And we decided on the court. The better team won is often, I think, what a lot of people take away. Because sports make it clear. I've been Because what my mentality is, anytime I start getting into something, like I'm doing some weightlifting, I get obsessed. So I start watching, like, the best of the best. And it's so cool. Like, you go to the Arnold Classic or a strongman competition. Okay, that guy's clearly better than that other guy because he lifted 100 more pounds. He lifted 1,000 pounds. That guy lifted 900 off the floor. Yeah. And it's a, a clear thing to mark. Where we get in trouble is when I think we start making these broad brush, like, because of my group identity, I'm better than you, like, morally. 
Now, let me be clear. That's easy to do. And I'd like to think, for instance, with the Nazis. That's like the evil Uberalis, you know. That's like the biggest evil we have in America's short history. You like to say, we're bet- I'm better than them. And I, I would hold that, yeah, generally I am. I'm not an anti-Semite. I don't believe in a master race. I don't believe in, like, the virtue of violent wars, which they did believe in. It's a nonsense, a dangerous understanding. But then if you really test yourself on the moral plane of existence, you have to realize... We all have that capacity to do terrible things. Especially if the system is driving you towards terrible things. It's something I've said a lot. The tyrant in you is the tyrant in me. Oh, everybody's got it. Everybody's got it. I got that monster. I just keep it in a box. And it's often people who start to think, not based on something they've clearly done. Like, I lifted more weight than that guy. I can run faster than that guy. I can, I can make a better knife in a, you know blacksmithing than that guy if it's not some clear objective thing that somebody does better than others and we start getting into these sort of well I am this thing I come from this generation of people and my I'm of better stock that's when we start to get in trouble and in particular those people will start to say we're the pure and chosen few and all the rest are damned there's room enough in hell for you we don't want heaven crammed oh man that's Interesting enough, it's the people who start thinking that way who often do the most evil. They found an excuse that I'm on the side of the right. Not right-wing and politically speaking, but I'm on the correct side of history. It's an interesting argument. You hear it, it's from people on the, the left, mostly. Um, but I'm sure you could come from any direction. Of oh, History will judge you. You're on the wrong side of history. I'm like, well, that's not for us to figure out, number one, and there's nothing new under the sun. But. That's for the people in the future. Yeah, I think people look to either, well, I mean, they look to God at times. I mean, I'm sure the people that, say, flew the planes into the buildings on 9-11 thought they had God on their side. Everybody thinks they're doing the right place. I don't think they did, but. I'm sure they believed it. Or they'll start thinking, well, I have the right political theory because I'm more compassionate than you and more enlightened. Now, any given individual person might be more intelligent, might be more enlightened, might have a better specialty. But there's a danger we must all fear when we start to consider our bias as something other than bias, as something better than everybody else. Yes, I'm biased. I think Prince is better than Nine Inch Nails. I think meat is better than broccoli. I think a steak is better than broccoli. I think liberty is better than bondage. I think less government is better than more government. I can go on and on and on. Broccoli and bondage. These are my bias. And I try to grope towards what I best possibly can, what's true. Not only true for myself... Truth in a practical sense. Truth that works. What's true not only for myself, but true as much as possible for my friends and for my family and for my community. 
and true for me over time. That, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the moment. I'm sure you remember this back in your, your drinking days. Oh, man. Where if you could go back, like the morning of being hung over, and you could go back and say, you idiot. The guy who got drunk that night wasn't thinking about future Seth. Oh, man. Do you know what years, I mean? Man. And it's not. And it's more than just, oh, my head hurts and I feel bad the next morning. It's like, what did you squander in terms of not doing that thing, the right thing, or at least not do the destructive thing? How many days did you waste because of that? And then the next day you got to get up and go and apologize. Yeah. That's the worst part. And that's what I think I'd like to work towards. And I'll admit I'm not a fan of just conflict for conflict's sake. Unless it's a like a I feel comfortable with somebody and I just I'm joking around, that's fine. I like yeah. trading insults when I'm with friends. So otherwise you gotta learn something. But otherwise I if I'm gonna get into the conflict with somebody, yes, I want it to be worthwhile. I want yep. it to bear fruit. Don't want to have a pointless conversation. Yeah. So I'm biased. There's a lot I don't know. You know, I'm doing the best I can. It's the first time I've ever heard you say that. You said you answered the question. <laughs> a lot I don't know. No, no. You say where? You, where what are you? Yes, yeah, I'm on the right. Yeah, I've never heard you say that. Wow. I'm on the right, but I don't. I think there are a lot of people maybe out there listening that don't believe that. Well, who would say no? And this is always. I saw this in libertarian circles. It's a so common with libertarians. You're not a true libertarian. True libertarians would never believe X, Y, Z. Which is just. I get it to a degree, but it's, uh, I think, a boring argument. And so yeah. people could say, well, you're not really on the right. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of room. Yeah. There's a lot of room for us on the right. I tend to be, I think, smaller government. I am not, I think the Republican Party has been moved too far to the left in many ways. So it's complicated, but I think I've found my political home in that regard. I'm a libertarian on the right. How does it make you feel, man? At least you know. It doesn't really make me feel that all warm and fuzzy. It's just like, yeah, it's true. I think certain people are better than others. I think that's why I really believe in freedom, because I want there be to be freedom for all sorts of people to mix and test and try out things and argue and persuade and all this stuff until the best people that's how you grow. win the day. And not only grow for yourself, but help everybody. everybody grow and move forward. I think that's the best thing, by far. Without that, it, it doesn't end up right. Well, and without that, you often get people who say, well, by law or by tradition, I'm better, when in fact they're not. That does happen. But look at this. We have somebody on the phone. I don't know why. But let's see who it is. News talk here on there. Who's this? Hi. Debbie, how are you? I'm all right, Debbie. How are you? I'm hey, fine. And I absolutely catch what you're saying. I am split right down the middle. Every time I take a test to figure out if I'm a Democrat or if I'm a Republican, I'm right in the middle every time. <laughs> so I'm very, very conflicted on parties, but I just can't do the Democrat Party for, well, sometimes not the Republican Party either. Right. For one I don't like reason. the parties either. Right. But there's, there's one reason in particular. Anytime you take freedom or freedom of choice from the people, I think there's a problem with that. Now, sometimes, granted, I understand there has to be certain laws to protect us, etc., and I get that, and I totally agree with those types. But when it comes to moral issues, I don't think it should be big daddy government telling us how to live. I, I think agree. that it's us that should be making those decisions, and we're all different. If you were to ask somebody of a strict Muslim or Christian belief, 
if they think gambling's okay or if they think extramarital sex is okay, you know, you're going to get a definite no. Heck no. But if you talk to somebody else that's not quite as religious-minded, they're going to see no problem with it. Everybody's got a different way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. We're not going to agree on everything. There's just no way. Well, and this but, is why freedom's so important. Okay. So we're not yeah. at each other's throats, always under threat from one another. You have right. your space, and I have mine. Right. So when these parties start telling us that we cannot do this or we cannot do that, restricting us from what I think we should be able to do in just a practical matter and leave it to the local government. You know, it's just like Clay County was a dry county up until a couple, three years ago. Right. And, you know, everybody that lived there knew, you know, you don't bring alcohol in unless you have it in the trunk. You kind of keep it covered and wait until you get into your house and pull it out, you know. But they knew the rules. They lived in that area. They knew the rules. Got that. But they could go outside that county to buy their liquor if they wanted to. Right, and I'm sure they did. And they did. Believe me, there was quite a trail going back and forth. But that's beside the point. The point is, is that I don't feel that our government is supposed to be ruling over us the way they have been. And both parties do it to us. And that's what disturbs me and so it's, much. I think why we're so divided. It's that everything, mm-hmm. every discussion, even ones that should just be honest, cultural, whatever type of disagreement, are now have this thing in the background of a threat. Like what could be mm-hmm. a friendly disagreement is now a threat because that person can vote. And they can vote for representatives and presidents that force me to believe or act in a certain way that you want me to believe. So no mm-hmm. wonder people get so pissy and divided. Right. Well, when you're constantly doing the fear factor, what do you expect? You're going to get fear, right? Right. Well, that's the libertarian in me talking. Now, I have my perspectives on all sorts of things that, but I feel free in sharing them because I'm not going to force them on anybody other than, you know, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Like, I'll I'll enforce that. Even if you do that to me, like, I might actually be very, I'm prone to mercy and forgiveness. I don't like lock them up and throw away the key. If he, right. It takes a lot for me to get, you know, the bloodlust going. <laughs> right. Which I've had, right. I'll admit, but it takes a lot. But well, I, I like what you're saying, Joey, and I think it's needing to be out there because I think there's more people like me and you who's kind of in between. We are not one party or another. And who do we have? What voice do we have? What party do we go to? Well, for now, I'm on the right. And um, it's not my business. I don't see it as my job to defend the president or any other Republican. It's more the defense of ideas that I find sound and to try to pull people not only in a cultural rightward direction. I I think more my job is to pull people towards liberty as I understand it best I can. But, Debbie, I'm out of time tonight. Thank you so much, Joey. I appreciate you letting me talk. Have a good night. You too. Well, Seth... We've come to the end of another show. Oh, good this show, is like man. episode 384. Wow. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, it's weird. Day in, day out. It's great. Some nights are better than others, but I'm feeling good this evening. I felt yeah. good last night. I'm feeling good. Ooh, it's because you know where you're at. I feel good. Nice I smell good. Stand. Make love good. Oh, I, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Some people are better than others. <laughs>